Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley, and we talk to leadership thought leaders and draw out practical actions that you can apply to your leadership today. Well, my guest this episode is Jennifer Bedford, who for 20 years has worked for a company called TechSmith. And those that have ever used a tool called Snagit might know TechSmith. Uh, apparently, I had it way early. But um, uh, And if you've ever used Snippet on uh, Microsoft products, it's like a poor person's equivalent. It's the cheap knockoff version of Snagit. So uh, Jennifer's been with TechSmith for 20 years. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. It's very nice to talk with you today, David. Well, I appreciate it. I'm always interested in, in uh, women in technology and engineering. It's, uh, it's something that's expanding. And so I'd love to hear from people with a bit of experience in that area, especially for in, in a leadership role. So I normally start by asking my guests to give me a quick 30-second bio of what got you to where you are. Sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. 20 years at a tech company, when you think about technology 20 years ago, was completely different. Um, when I applied to work at TechSmith, I responded to a newspaper ad in our local newspaper. And it, you know, TechSmith was a pretty small company at the time. We had like 15, maybe 20 employees. And, um, you know, over the 20 years, the evolution of technology, business, technology in business and the growth of our company has been really interesting. And for me, you know, I'd had some leadership experience prior to TechSmith and I kind of started at the bottom rung. I started in more of an administrative service and sales role and then moved up over the years. I spent some time in marketing as a salesperson and then moved into some leadership roles. And for me, I think the leadership has been the most um, inspiring and fulfilling part of it. There's nothing I love more than running into someone that I managed when they were an intern many years ago and seeing where they've ended up and what influence our time together had on that. Um, my role now, I work in our sales department as our operations manager which means I have uh, seven full-time people that report under me, as well as managing our intern program of six interns that are all college students. And um, I love helping people grow and strengthen their career and um, kind of learn about the tech field, especially with our interns. A lot of them have worked before, but never in tech. So it's really something that I love watching them. So I understand that you're, you've had a significant role in, in ramping up your intern program. What <clears> steps did you take to help? What steps do you take to help new employees be as productive as possible, especially those that are only going to be around for a short period of time? Yeah. Um, so it's been especially interesting over the last year. Um, our company has been remote. Um, we continue to work 100% remote, but it, we really feel it's important to still have an intern program and grow future employees, whether they're at TechSmith or elsewhere. And so, you know, there's things I've always looked to do with our interns and that's uh, that stay regardless of whether we're in person or remote 
but there are definitely things that I changed a little bit this year. Um, but as far as like making our, sure our interns are successful and productive, there's a number of things, you know, I manage a lot of people. I can't, uh, I am not a great resource for every intern, every minute of every day. So I try to build a network for them on day one. With our intern program, we have a group of leads in our department that are kind of specialists in certain functions. And so they train on those functions. And I'm still a resource and a touch point for the intern. But from day one, they might meet with me, but they're going to meet with a couple leads as well. So they always have multiple resources. Um, I prefer to have the expert in something be the one to train the new person because I am not the expert in everything. And so I lean on people that know it and can teach it. Uh, we also use a lot of live trainings and also um, self-driven training where an intern might be practicing things or doing video review, you know, in the time they're not in a live training. And we try also to focus on as soon as they have enough knowledge to start participating and contributing to the team workload, we've highlighted specific things they can do in the first couple weeks, in the first month, so that while they're still learning, they also feel like they're doing. Right. And I, I like think that, that makes them happier. <laughs> well, I like uh, those steps because you're saying um, we network them closely. So let's make sure that they're not just dependent on one boss because then that's you know, isolating a little bit. But let's network them. Let's empower them uh, and let's give them the, enough training to get them so that they feel like they're involved as early as possible. Yes. So, and, and how's that worked in the virtual world? Because I imagine that's easy when you sat next to somebody in a terminal and looking at a screen, but, but how have you managed that virtually? You know, it's, it's interesting um, that you ask that because we talk about that all the time. You know, I meet with the training leads once a month and we kind of review what's working, what isn't, what do we want to evolve? Um, and we also check in on all the interns and kind of where they're at in their training. And we originally, we did not have um, shadowing sessions with lots of different people. We just had the leads. And what we discovered was there's a lot of learning that happens when you're sitting near people. And just the turning around, asking questions, overhearing things. And so we tried to come up with a way where we could facilitate that remote. It's not exactly the same, but we tried to consciously add that to our training program. And the cool thing about it was it was actually a couple of our interns who mentioned it. It was their idea, but we took it and, you know, adapted it and applied it to the interns that came after them, which was neat. So um, we literally, each of our interns works on a team of salespeople and they have a training lead on that team, but they also have three or four other salespeople that are full-time, they're experienced. We actually have throughout their first couple months, a system where they spend time with their training lead, but they also do an hour long shadowing session, at least one with each of the other full-time people. And it gives them the opportunity to literally watch the person work, ask questions, hear 
how that person manages things differently. Because even though our salespeople are doing similar work, they're not all the same people. So how they approach it, different tricks that work for them um, are, you know, something that the intern can learn from if they get that variety of, um, you know, viewpoints. And it just, it has already proven to be more productive for our interns. The one, the first couple that we had start doing that, we're like, oh, wow, you know, this person really did this one thing different and that clicked with me. And now I, I'm better at this. And it's not that they were originally trained wrong. It's just everyone's mind works a little bit different. So seeing the different ways that people approach it helps them build their style. Right. Yeah, I've been telling clients to try and emulate that uh, organic environment that we sit in. And it sounds like you've been doing the same kind of thing. That that, that uh, uh, idea of shadowing and following, you know, practically, how are you actually doing that? Are you, are you having three people in a Zoom call? or? Um... Um, so, yeah, uh, we use Zoom all the time. <laughs> um, we were fortunate that before we went remote fully, we had some staff who worked at least part-time remote. So um, when COVID hit, we had Zoom, we had chat tools and everything. So um, we basically just ramped up our use of it. And for this particular thing, for the shadowing, it's literally you are on a live Zoom call. The um, full-time person is sharing their screen. So the intern can see everything they're doing on their computer. They can ask questions live. They can, you know, talk through the full-time person can talk through like, okay, you know, I'm working on these leads and this is what I've got in my to-do list today. And this is how I prioritize it. And they're basically talking through everything they're doing. So it's similar to sitting at the desk with the person and doing the same thing, not a hundred percent, but in some ways, um, the nice thing about Zoom is the intern can grab a screenshot. Like if they see something really interesting that they like in how that full-time person structures their work or anything, they can screenshot that and save it for later, which is something you really can't do when you're sitting over their shoulders. So well, that goes back to that idea of you're emulating, emulating what it would be like if you were sat in the office and you're creating a, a Zoom call while somebody works. And so I'm watching somebody doing their work and I can see what's on the screen and I can talk to them about why they're doing it that way and what they're doing um, in the same way as I could if I was sat next to them in the office. Yep. Uh, that's, so um, one of the things is I was talking to Corey, who's one of my colleagues who works with you. So he, uh, he says you have a reputation for addressing conflict early. And, um, and that's, I'd be interested to know, how's that helped your career in doing that? Um, so I would say I'm better at this now than I was earlier in my career. Um, you know, full disclosure, that's something that takes practice yeah. and comfort. That's you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't want to uh, make it sound like all 20 years I've been really good at this because that's not true. Um, But I think what I have learned over the years is if there is an issue, asking an honest, respectful question early, rather than waiting for it to fester and become a bigger issue, leads to better income or outcomes 
for all involved. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's uh, something that I'm in conflict with a colleague or I see colleagues in conflict, whether there's an issue with someone I manage, it's much better to bring it up as soon as we see the issue and then work with them to address it than to wait. Because, you know, my focus, especially with the interns, is they're here to learn how to work as much as they are to learn about this job and company. You know, often they've had jobs before, but they've not had a tech job or worked in a business setting. So they're learning how to operate in that. And so it's my job to let them know when they're doing it well <laughs> and when there's areas for improvement. And I found um, people want feedback. And as long as you're giving it in a constructive way and talking through it with them and giving the, um, them the opportunity to give their ideas and ask them questions and ask them to think about it, it can be really productive because sometimes what I think the issue is might not be right. So I have to give them the chance to kind of give their side. You know, this is something we've done a lot over the last year with doing our interns remote. It's harder to tell what the issue is because you're not sitting next to the person every day. So you need to say, you know, that what you're observing, but give them an opportunity to say what they're observing right. as well. Yeah, it sounds like I, I uh, try to help my dad with his computer in, in England. And sometimes you say, no, dad, uh, where's that key now? I have to try and think about it and remember because <laughs> you can't actually see it. But um, uh, what I hear you saying is uh, something I've, I've used quite a bit is uh, you can either be a, a short term good person and a long term bad person, or you can be a short term bad person, and a long term good person. So mm -hmm. that idea of in the short term, I might be a little tough or harder or be more direct about this. But I'm mm -hmm. doing that so that I don't regret it later on or we don't regret it later on. Yes, absolutely. The other thing um, that I really focus on in especially the onboarding in the first couple of weeks is making sure there is a clear understanding of expectations so that there's no gray area if, if they you know the individual is not meeting that expectation. They have an outline of what is expected and mm -hmm. what we're looking for from them they can still ask questions and you know we can talk about it but I try to get upfront about that because there's nothing worse than not knowing what's expected of you then how would you ever possibly know if you're doing it right yeah yeah there's nothing worse than learning along as you're going along what I'm supposed to be doing. it's like you're putting the boundaries up all the time but so yeah. you clear up front about what the expectations are you're quick to praise and point out areas of opportunity and mm -hmm. and you engage, actively engage them in what they're seeing and what they're doing to get some buy-in. Mm -hmm. so, and, and you also alluded to the fact that it's a little different on uh, our remote kind of setting that we've got now. Uh, what tools are you using to keep that in check virtually because i'm sure before you walk around the office and you just say hey can sue can i have a minute and um are you doing the same thing on zoom does somebody get a, an email saying jennifer wants to have a zoom with you and they go into oh no what have i done wrong mode <laughs> so um we have i have a set uh, half hour meeting with everyone that works for me every week 
Right. Um, and so that is our designated time to bring questions, issues to each other. Um, however, I always make it clear that they can reach out to me outside of that. And then, so we use uh, Slack as our internal mm -hmm. chat tool. So we have group chats and direct messages in there. So I have that on all the time. It is expected, and this is part of that, you know, making sure people understand the expectations. They are expected to be uh, clocked in and logged into their Slack account and their email and reachable by those while they're working. Um, but I also make sure they have my phone number because one of the challenges we run into while working remote is your power goes out, your internet goes out. You know, these are things you can't control. So I always make sure that they have my number because if they have an outage or an issue or something, they can text me, we can work it out. But um, I've thought a lot about with remote, I can't micromanage. Uh, it's just not possible. I'm not near them. I can't walk over to them. I can't, you know, walk the aisle to see how everyone's doing. So I try and make myself as available as possible. You know, I might even send a message here or there, even if we don't have a meeting today and they don't have a question, I might just send a, hey, how's it going? Just to check in with them. But the other piece of that is making sure that they have those other touch points. Right. So the training leads that I have, there is one from each of our sales teams. So we have four different sales teams and we have an operations group and we have interns in all of those. Each intern has a lead on their team that is a resource for them. And frankly, for the day-to-day -day doing their job, that lead is their better resource because they do the same job just at a wider scope because they're full-time. I'm more of personnel issues, um, technology issues, company questions, policy, things like that, and then also career development. But for day-to-day -day questions about their work, they have another resource. And if their lead's not there, they have all the other leads from the other teams, so they have multiple people available to them. So it's almost like a, a team uh, check-in and responsibility at all times where they're accountable to their team and the teams work together and communicate throughout the day. And I'm an additional resource, but I'm not their only, and I'm not the only one who's kind of keeping up with them. I see how that knits in now, because you're saying we give clarity up front about what the expectations are, but then we also get them connected one-on-one -on -one with as many people as possible, as early as possible. So yeah. that then they see that network, as you call it, as a resource sooner and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of your questions are well have you talked to your lead about this because that's more likely to be where the answer is and you redirect people to the right spot and i i like the idea of the communication platforms you've talked about as well which is you know hey we have our chat um function which everybody's logged into and, and i've been encouraging people to use the um is usually some kind of red yellow green or notification that says what status is um, yeah. in the same way as you would if you're at the office you know, if, if it's red, it means your door's shut and you're on the phone. If it's green, it means your door's cracked open and somebody could walk in and interrupt you so that you're, again, emulating that, what it would be like in real life. And and then even, uh, I like that piece over here, you've got Slack, you've got email, we've got our weekly half hour 
which I think a lot of leaders are missing or have missed in the last 12 months. They, they never got into the discipline of plugging in that we are going to touch base for half an hour. We're going to create the space to touch base for half an hour every week. Um, and then worst case scenario, here's my cell phone number. Yep. Which, so you're giving people everything that they need. And I'm guessing that you rarely get the cell phone calls because they've got so much of a, a good network around them. Yeah, the cell phone, literally the text I get is, hey, my internet's down. I'm going to log in as soon as I can yeah. messages. And then I'll send a communication to their team and everyone else and let them know what's going on. But, yeah. you know, I rarely get a, hey, I have a question on my cell. That usually happens in the other tools. I, uh, I've made a deal with my, my local credit union down in town here that if my power goes out and my internet goes down, I think it's about 20 minutes it will take me to and I told them if I come running in there with a backpack, it's not a threat. I'm just in the middle of a meeting and I have to get back up again. And uh, I hope that they yeah. have power. So uh, the last thing I want to talk about, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit at the beginning, is um, how do you coach other women to grow as successful leaders in, in a tech or organization, um, particularly when you're talking about being remote? And uh, we were talking about your daughter's Lego creations behind you. Um, it, it seems like that we're still in an environment where the mums are the primary caregiver and they're balancing a job and a bunch of interns and everything else as well as the kid at the other side of the dining room table. What are you doing to coach other women to grow in their leadership roles in this environment? Um, I think the biggest, there's several things. Um, as a woman who has worked the entire time I've had children, um, I think there's there's always the, oh, you can have it all, and you're going to be the best at all the things. I think for women, I think this is for men, too. Um, you're not always going to be the best at both your jobs every day, all the time. It's not realistic. There are going to be days where you're going to be a better parent or spouse and there are going to be days when you're going to be a better employee or manager. And then sometimes you'll be worse at one or the other. Um, I think accepting the fact that I have chosen a life where I need to balance things and it's going to ebb and flow a little bit um, is part, maybe it's because I've been doing it for a long time. My oldest is a junior in high school. So I've been working, you know, while parenting for almost 17 years. Um, I've accepted the fact that it's a balance and I do what I can to um, be a good parent and a good employee and nobody's perfect. So, you know, accept that, learn from it, do better next time. It's kind of how I approach it. Um, but, you know, the big thing for me, and this, this has been especially true this year for all of my employees, not just women, because I have both men and women who work for me and that are trying to balance parenting. They have kids who are ranging all different ages. And um, with uh, COVID, they also have some kids that are at school, some are at home, some are a hybrid, is flexibility. One of the amazing things about working for a tech company you know we are not a manufacturer where we have to go to a plant and build things during these hours or anything like that um we are a tech company not everything we have to do 
or we do has to be done between eight and five. So balance, um, flexibility, you know, I have things that come up during the day that I have to deal with for my kids or my home. And so do my employees. We respect that. We communicate early. We communicate often. We make sure we are updating our calendars, letting people know when we'll be unavailable. Um, and we're just flexible and understanding. Uh, and I think that's the key for all working parents and for managers of working parents. I try really hard to focus on quality of work and whether people are getting their job done and less on how many hours and were they in at this time and out at that time. Now, some roles have time-specific work, but not all do. And so as long as you're teaching training people equitably and they understand you have time specific work, but other things can be flexible. I can be flexible. You know, sometimes I get a call from the school saying my kid's been quarantined at 10 AM and I got to go pick them up in the middle of a work day happens to me. It happens to other people. We can flex with that. Right. Yeah, it's making for a different environment, isn't it? That we can do that. But I, I really like the way you framed that beginning that um, some days I'm going to be a great employee but not necessarily the greatest parent or spouse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the challenge is to make sure that you're not consistent in one of those. So if you're yeah. consistently the great employee at the cost of being a great parent, then you've got problems down the line. And that's the beauty of that idea of balance, isn't it? That mm -hmm. today I was a great employee, tomorrow I better make sure I'm a great parent. And it's not yeah. that I'm not gonna be a good employee, it's just that I have to maintain that balance. Yeah, there are some days where I might have to work extra hours because I've got something that's really time sensitive. And so maybe I spend a little less time with my kids on that day, but I try and balance it by going to their sporting events, being, you know, active in what they're interested in and using my PTO. You know, I think some leaders and employees are afraid to take time off. <laughs> they gave it to us for a reason. I actually want people to take time off. And so I am not shy and not embarrassed to use my time yes. off and go participate. And so I feel like that's something too. Like if I were working and online and sending email, you know, every day at like 10 o'clock at night, that models no balance to my employees. And that's so I try to lead by taking the time off, not always working being available if they need, but not always so available that it appears I don't balance things. Right. That's been a rallying cry for, for, for me to some of my clients in the last 12 months is if you're not taking the time off, you've just created a culture where nobody is. Mm -hmm. So so lead by example there. So Jennifer, thanks very much for spending some time with us today. And I've enjoyed our conversation. And uh, Jennifer's with TechSmith. Go and check out Camtasia and Snagit if you hadn't. There's my quick advert for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, David. This was great. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. And my name is David Wheatley. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available at all good bookstores and Amazon as well. And uh, if you are interested in what great teams do great and how that plays into the virtual world, you send me a note, david at humanity.com. And I will send you our 10th chapter of our eight chapter book. 
which is all about virtual teams and how virtual teams can be great too. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. Stay healthy.